Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rally red on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play. So now I guess there's only one thing to say, baby. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I'm here as usual by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, God, great things happening right now, uh, just in the world, in the world of Texans Unfiltered podcast, in the world of Texans football. Uh, lots of good things are happening uh, you wanted to start with housekeeping, correct? Yeah, I mean, we got a couple of pretty big announcements going on, so why don't we start with that? All right, so we'll start with the big announcement. Uh, Texans Unfiltered is now officially partnering with Run Game Clothing moving forward, um, not just for the event, but Run Game Clothing is now the official sponsor of Texans Unfiltered. So what that means for the listeners, two things. One, uh, you guys are going to get promo codes, which is great. Go support them. They're a local Houston business that has really grown over the years. They make amazing sports t-shirts. Me and John are constantly rocking them. They have great Texans gear. Like, I mean, they really have the best Texans uh, merchandise uh, besides, like, jerseys and and things like that. I mean, honestly, their their shirts are the best for rocking – Sports clothing representing Houston without being too in your face about it. You don't want to feel like the your, your 40, 50, 60-year-old dad just covered in logos. Go with Run Game. Anybody from Houston will instantly recognize it. And honestly, if you have a wife or somebody you share a bed with, they will probably steal your shirts to sleep in, which is kind of annoying because the shirts are absolutely amazing. Yeah, they're super comfortable, so that's why the women steal them. But then they also make a ton of shirts for the women as well. So for our women listeners, uh, we f- I feel like we ignore you guys and act like you don't exist. And you guys have pointed it out multiple times on Twitter that there are plenty of you. Uh, so that's on me. I don't know how I can work at Google and not be as inclusive as possible on this podcast. And um, go check out Run Game Clothing. They have amazing women's T-shirts as well. Uh, all right, and then on to the second thing. And plus, Travis is just a really dope dude. Uh, he's the owner and founder of uh, Run Game Clothing. So he he's just a really cool guy. I'm really excited to work with him. Uh, lots of good things between us and them, um, helping them grow their brand and them helping us grow our brand. And really, it's just like the perfect fit for what we're both trying to accomplish. So, um, And we'll be doing collab t-shirts in the future. So there'll be Texans Unfiltered and Run Game clothing um, shirts. So that's cool. Secondly, uh, all right, the event is like truly, like it's locked down and people are are registering left and right. So um, Run Game Clothing is partnering with us on this event as well. So they're going to be there for a pop-up shop. Um, We'll probably do a couple giveaways as well. Um, Like I said last week, the event is on September 9th at Sigma Brewing. 
Uh, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. It's pinned on my profile to on Twitter, and it'll probably be one of the more things that I'm uh, one of the things I'm posting the most on Instagram. Um, this is going to be a huge event. Barbecue is literally being provided for everybody. Like what that means is you guys will not be paying for a barbecue. That barbecue is provided by Pitmaster Barbecue in Springs slash the Woodlands on Rayford Sawdust. So you guys, uh, I don't know if you truly understand like the, the, the point of this event. So I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about it before we got into training camp and our position group reviews, uh, which will be led by John, which is going to be very fun. Um, I get to sit back and be asked questions. So um, this event for us, um, the reason why we wanted to do it, was you guys have shown us so much support over the last three years. And we've talked about doing different things that we've never really been able to do it. This is the event where we get to meet all of you. Like all of our Houston listeners, the ones that have given us everything that we have so far that have really been devoted to this podcast, this is our way of giving back to you guys. So we're really excited about this because this gives us an opportunity to talk with you guys and and, and Hear what you like about the podcast. Hear what you don't like about the podcast. Hear your thoughts and opinions on the Texans um, and, and kind of where they're at in their current state. This gives me and John the opportunity to go out and have a good time with the people that support us. And we wanted to do something to show that we appreciate all the support we've gotten over three years. You know, me and John were texting, uh, what was it, like Saturday or Saturday night, Sunday night? We were texting all night. And, you know, it's crazy what we've accomplished in the last three years. But, like, one thing that me and John tend to always remember, and this is, I think, the best part about what we do, is uh, we're only here because of you guys. And so for us to be able to do something like this, we're just so excited. And, like, getting messages on Reddit and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook um, and, and personal emails. Like, I got emails after last week's episode of the event. Um, I just... It's, this is an opportunity for us to do it. So I'm going to get off my soapbox, but we're super excited. Me and John are coming to Houston. We're going to do an event. And if this goes well and we have a ton of people show up, um, I can promise you this will be a thing that we do more often. So, John, anything else to touch on on that front? No, we're going to try and make it memorable. We're going to try and do some fun things. We've kind of bounced around the idea of um, doing um, – well, it'll kind of be a surprise when you all get there. Um but, again, we try to be the most sincere and down-to-earth podcast out there because we are a couple of fans first and foremost. So this is our chance to really – you can meet us in real person and know this is who we are. Um, and hopefully if you spend an hour and a half, sometimes two hours a week listening to us, um, now you'll be able to put a fit to our voices and, you know, still like us at the end of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, all right, real quick, another housekeeping item before we get into anything. Uh, so John and I are not able to get media passes. No matter how big of our listenership we have, um, the Texans have denied us multiple times for media passes because they do not grant them to podcasts. We need to have a writing outlet uh, for us to be able to have a publication of our thoughts and opinions to garner clicks. John and I are working on that, and that will be something that we eventually get to as John finds more time for himself to be able to write as he is busy and he has the cutest, craziest toddler in the world. So, um, and then he also has a wife and a full-time job. So it's hard. Plus the podcast. I, on the other hand, um, am more fortunate in the workplace, but not necessarily as fortunate in other aspects of things. If you want to talk about it at the event, we could do that too. That's neither here or there. Um, 
So we can't get media passes, John, but we were given four passes to the Saturday open practice. And I want to shout out this listener because he reached out to me on Reddit. Um, Abraham, thank you, bro. We really appreciate it. Like, we're super excited to go. Me and John had a, an entire weekend planned with Preston. This weekend is going to be all about this season uh, for the podcast and what we're working on. And you literally just made the trip that much better. As me and John have been talking about going to um, an open practice this year, and we've I've been multiple times in, in the past years, but me and John being able to go now with the podcast and stuff like that, um, it's just going to be a really exciting event, and I wanted to say thank you so much, Abraham, for reaching out to me and uh, sending us those tickets. You're an incredible human being, and I hope you are coming to the event so we could buy you a couple beers. All right, um, John, training camp is popping right now. It's on and popping. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before we get to training camp, oh, ooh. there is something that kind of, you know, really got under my skin. Oh, yes. I love when stuff gets under your skin. Please tell me. Please tell me. Baker 50. Okay. Are we going to get in? We're going to do this right now? We are going to start off with this. We're okay. not saving this for next week. There right, is, me, there's, yeah, there's no holding back. Let on me this. turn my hat around because I'm, I'm pretty upset. And, and I feel like turning my hat backwards is very appropriate for the person that will reference that is on our side as well because he has the backwards hat guy analogy, which is one of my favorite analogies in all of radio. And if you guys listen to Colin Cowherd, you know exactly what analogy I'm talking about. I mean, there's just no way that anybody can honestly say that Baker Mayfield is better than Deshaun Watson. And I think Colin Cowherd put it extremely – he put it in the right manner. Like when he was talking about it, he said, I think a lot of people are taking into account the situation that Baker walked into in comparison to the situation that Deshaun walked into. Uh, And so let's go through those things. Cleveland has a top 10 offensive line in the league. Cleveland has a top, I'd say top 15 wide receiver in Jarvis Landry, top 20. Top 15? Top 20? No. Top 20? No. Top 20? Top, top 30. Top 30. Okay, this will be a conversation for after, but I, I know for a fact you can't name 30 wide receivers better than Jarvis Landry. I can. Thir- Probably 30. Probably off the top of my head. Well, then name them all. Go. All right, well, let's start with Hopkins. Okay, one. His teammate Odell Beckham. Okay, two. Antonio Brown. Three. Julio Jones. Four. Um, mm, already with the, um, the guy up four. in Green Bay. No. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the guy up in Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Devontae Adams. Go ahead. Five. Devontae Adams. Mm. There's more. Uh. Mean, <laughs> all right, damn it. Yeah. Okay. He's a top 20 He's wide receiver. Not, but he is not a top 20. He is a top 20 wide receiver. He's not like. No, he is not a top 20. He's top 20. He's a glorified running back. Okay. Either way, whatever. He has a good wide receiver. Uh, he has an emerging star at tight end. Um, he had running backs. He has a good defense. And on top of that, he was also just, like, not really running an offense <laughs> last year. Like, that was, like, playground football. Notice what he does against the San Diego Chargers, Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens. Oh, yeah, that one team in the Lone Star State, the Houston Texans. When he plays a real defense, this kid is not as good as what people think. All of this is from the hype of the Cleveland Browns that is turning what could have been the best story of the season 
for a franchise that has literally had zero success since being back in the league has turned that story into the team that people hope do not succeed because of everything that is being thrown their way right now. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's an absolute clown show that you're going to put put Baker ahead of Deshaun. Um, I understand that this was supposedly voted on by the players, but I I just cannot wrap my head around how. And even before getting into a great big long argument, what happened when the Texans played the Browns? Mm, interesting. I mean, just start with that. The Browns didn't even look like they belonged on the same football football no. field. But Browns fans would say, well, did you see the third and fourth quarter? Oh, yeah, when the Texans' defense took their foot off the gas. Yeah, no, I saw yeah. I saw that game. I watched it. Did you twice. see the, uh, the first and the second quarter where Deshaun <laughs> had a couple of throws that I bet Baker could not make? And I'm, I'm a Baker fan. Like you, I was. You've heard me before. And the Browns fans are slowly turning me against Baker. But isn't Baker also turning you against Baker? No, I, I like the moxie. See, I, I, I like that. I like the arrogance. I so mean, do you like that from Cam Newton too? Yeah, I love okay, because I do too. See, I love, I Cam, love too. Cam, but most people don't love that Cam does it, but absolutely loves that Baker does it. I can't understand those fans, but that I actually, I can. Escapes me. Well, yeah, <laughs> but anyways. And you know, I I enjoy it when Deshaun does it. This is sports. It's supposed to be fun. Go out there, celebrate. You know, and I. I stand by that whole thing. If you want them to stop celebrating, stop them. Like, yeah, I agree. When you're winning, you get to do something. Um, Baker, when he was losing, he shut his mouth, um, so he gets that. But yeah, but he also opens his mouth a lot, like talking about the Giants fan base. Like, come on, dude. That's one of the more storied franchises in all of the NFL history. Like, you really can't say anything about their fans. Like, Browns fans aren't better than Giants fans. I'm not going to take that argument because I know they're all crazy. They're all just crazy. All um, fan bases are. Yeah. Well, Browns fans are pretty ridiculous. One of my best friends in North Carolina is a huge Browns fan. And they're they're ridiculous. I will give them that. They're not as psychotic as Bills fans. Bills fans are a whole mm. different level. I want to go to a Bills Montia game so bad. They Yeah, they're a whole other level. Um, and apparently they went – I've seen pictures of Bills playing the Browns and just how that tailgate went, and I'm I'm glad I didn't go because I'm not sure I'd have survived. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I just throw it out there. Bigger. But the the Browns fans though, they're just I cannot believe how obnoxious they're becoming. And Baker no, is jags. Baker is not a bad quarterback. This is not trashing Baker. This is just saying what on earth is he doing in front of Deshaun after one year. They essentially both had a rookie season. Deshaun, over 16 games, did better than Baker did over 16 games. Well, Baker Deshaun, played 16, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you do yeah, whatever, you, yeah. you do math. You do yeah. math, you can figure it out. 12 games, but yeah. Okay. 12 games, either way, Deshaun just absolutely blows them out of the water. Four yeah. games, Deshaun more than blows them out of the water. So, Well, let's, let's – John, let's take a step back. Let's look at the rookie – let's look at the rookie seasons compared to each other. Let's look at the trajectory of Deshaun, his rookie year, and compare that to what we saw from Baker last year. Just take Deshaun's first seven games against Baker's first seven games. Deshaun destroys Baker in every category possible in those first seven games of his rookie year. 
I mean, Deshaun was on Patrick Mahomes' level that his his rookie season. He was the talk of the NFL before he tore his ACL. He was what was exciting. Is that an overstatement? No, not at no. all. No, and the reason why he's not getting the love that he has now is because, one, Pat Mahomes came in last year and had the perfect NFL season for a quarterback, which we've never seen. And then Baker came in and excited the league because he was playing for the worst franchise in all of sports. That's it. Deshaun, you can't deny the talent of Deshaun over Baker. You just can't. No, and it's part of it's the Rust Belt migration. Nope, everybody's moving away from Cleveland. There's people, there's Cleveland fans everywhere because they're all leaving that city. Um, we talk about this in comparison to Houston fans and Atlanta fans and other Southern team fans. People are moving to these cities. They're bringing their fandom here, so that's why it seems like there's Browns fans everywhere because they're leaving their city. And that's why we have to hear it because they are everywhere because they're leaving their city. And, I'm again, not trying to bash Baker. I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch the Browns. They're going to be a fun, fun team to watch. But let's put Maybe. this in perspective. The only reason Deshaun isn't getting more hype is because Mahomes came out and just set the world on absolute fire. Deshaun still had a top three first 16 games from like the quarterbacks that he compares to are after 16 games are Dan Marino and Ben Roethlisberger. So it's not like Deshaun just dropped off a cliff or something. He just, you know, he didn't throw a touchdown every single pass within the 20. It just, he also got sacked 62 times. Which is actually makes his numbers even more impressive. Correct. And this week we're not going to turn this into a Watson cast, so I'm going to kind of stop here in just a second. I'm just saying that I want to know how they count these votes because something is at, something's off. Especially with as much cred as Watson has among NFL players. Whenever any NFL player asks, is asked about what, who's the, one of the top QBs they played, anyone that has played Watson always names him. They may not say he's the top, but they always name him. How on earth is Baker ahead of him in a so-called player pool, or in a poll that was voted on by the players? I, I, it, it's breaking my, my mind. Yeah, well, I think, I think that opinion will change at the end of the season. I got a little uh, little little thing going uh, with Zach Hicks, so we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor this situation. But uh, Deshaun's a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, and we'll get into that on the Watson cast next week. Um, so I guess Deshaun the Watson now, cast. Is like, no, we're gonna have to wait. Just wait. Just wait. We're done. The Watson cast is an annual thing, right? It is sometimes a biannual thing. <laughs> Let's be sometimes honest. A bi- Sometimes it's a bi-weekly thing. There's always a Watson cast. <laughs> Every season there will be a Watson cast. Even after he retires, um, there will be a Watson cast. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So what about JD what at 63? You think that's fair? No. I don't. <laughs> Do you? You know, it just goes back to Remember, remember he's not a... Uh, there's a couple people out there that are major media that are saying the Texans are doing the absolute right thing by not paying JD. He's not an elite player. 
Yeah. Whatever. Makes well, me wonder yeah, how much funny. football they actually watch. Uh, James Palmer um, and Pat had some info on the JD situation. Did you hear that? Yeah, I've heard. So What'd you hear? That JD and Bill O'Brien still are in constant communication. Um, no, not Bill O'Brien. An unnamed coach. Oh, an unnamed coach that has the initials B.O.B. No, it's, I think it's Rack, though, actually. I, I actually believe it's Rack. I don't think it's B.O.B. Okay. I think it's Romeo. Um, Either way, in constant context, that the relationship isn't toxic, that this is a pure business decision by both parts. Clowney not being in camp makes a ton of sense for him as a business because if he gets hurt, he knows next season he's not going to get paid what he should. Texans don't want to pay him yet, um, but there's still a relationship there, and it's not past salvageable. Yeah, and there's... Which is great. Which is great. Makes me feel a lot better. I think that they're kind of waiting to see how this cornerback group shakes out. Um, if you haven't read Sharp Football, um, one of the things that actually really stood out to me this year was the when they talk about the budget. And we spend about 70% of our budget on defense. Um, I brought it up a little bit last week where we talk about how how much our cornerbacks are paid, and it'll kind of be more relevant for this week. Only two teams in the entire National Football League pay their corners more than we do. So we need some of these young guys to kind of step up and kind of push some of these higher salaries to the side so we can afford JD. As right now, we're paying for a whole bunch of junk to see what happens. And I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. So do you want to talk about training camp uh, before we do um, positional review or – you wanna, do you yeah, want to talk about all start. these uh, running back rumblings that don't really exist, but people are throwing them out there? Yeah, let's start with so let's start with training camp. Um, I'll let you pick. We can either go offensive line or go cornerback. Actually, I want to start with Tyron Johnson. Okay, that's fine. What have you heard about? <laughs> I mean, everything you've heard. I just. I don't like I, I get that like I, I just want to be honest like we have had I, I can't think of another team that has had more undrafted wide receiver hype in the league than the Texans over the last 13 years or however long we've been in existence every off every other off season there is a undrafted wide receiver that sets training camp on fire freaking flames. Every reporter is talking about him. Oh, the catch. Oh, the separation. Oh, the route running. Lunch pail guy. Making the plays when he needs to. I just, five days into camp, I can't do it yet. I can't. Like, we're literally, we're talking about the first five days in camp, and we're saying already, and multiple media reports are, that Vincent Smith is being heavily pushed by this kid. Yeah. Now, sure, maybe there's parts of it. Maybe parts of that is accurate. Um, but five days isn't going to convince me that they're going to give the reins to him over Vincent Smith after Vincent Smith had it an entire year with the team. No, I don't. It's just hard. It's, it's hard for me to believe that. I think it's more likely that they both make the team than, oh, than Tyron Johnson making the team over Vincent Smith. Um, I'm with you. He's. Every year we have a camp star wide receiver. 
every single year. Um, famous names such as um, Riley McCarran, Lestard, 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 I can only remember his first name, second name, Lestard Jean. Valentine. Um, with the guy out of A&M a couple years back. Uh, the other Kevin white guy. Howard. Yep. Every year, these guys set the uh, training camp on fire, and we're all supposed to get incredibly excited about them, and these are going to be difference-making players. First off, you got to remember one thing with undrafted free agents. If they make the team, that's amazing. If they're a solid NFL contributor, that is money in the bank. They don't have to be superstars. you got to manage your expectation with them. If all Tyron Johnson does or all Vincent Smith does is make the team and contributes consistently as a special teamer, that is a huge win. Secondly, he's still a rookie. He still has a whole bunch he's got to learn. Um, he's also got a lot of people in front of him. Right. And Vincent Smith, um, they, Tyron Johnson and Vincent Smith, they were being compared on another podcast. And one of the things that they pointed out was Vincent Smith went to Limestone, whereas Tyron Johnson went to LSU and then um, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Well, oh, Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Smith was actually a four-star recruit. Right. Um, he ended up at Limestone because of non-football reasons. So it's not necessarily physical talent versus physical talent. It's always been situations. And this isn't defending Vincent Smith. I'm just po- throwing it out there. He's had a year with the offense. They've invested a lot in him. They essentially did a – He's played reasonable, like, good snaps for this team. Right. And it's not that he's just had the one catch. It's He had the entire season with them. So they're not going to throw that away when they essentially did a regular season stash of him. They kept him on the roster for the entire point of developing him. Now – Hopefully, Johnson is just as good as they say he is, and it makes a difficult decision. The points in his favor is that Jason Braddock and Pat Stat actually agree on a player. That rarely happens. Um, everybody that has seen Johnson play, ha- it's been positive. It has been beyond positive. So there's not anybody out there kind of dashing cold water, and there usually is. Um, so he does have those in his favor, and I'm going to pay attention to him. And I, what I'd recommend everybody out there that is currently listening is don't get too hyped up on him, but during the preseason, watch him. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. Wait and see what he looks like when he's playing against other teams and see what sort of separation he gets and if he has any sort of connection, and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, I think with the wide receivers, everything comes down to what they do with the tight ends. Um for how many wide receivers will carry. If Kahali Waring gets off and starts practicing and is in training camp and is showing what he did in OTAs but in training camp and with pads on, then that's where the front office is going to have decisions to make on how they're going to carry four tight ends and six to seven wide wide receivers. No, yeah, six wide receivers. It's going to be very, very hard given the holes – on the rest of the roster. So, I don't know. I, I look at, Like I said, I would love to see him make it. That'd be great. I just, I don't know. I don't know if this is the year for him to be, to have the opportunity to make the team just because of the needs everywhere else that we're going to have to compensate and probably carry more of, whether it be corners, offensive linemen, tight ends. It's just going to be tough. I don't know. We'll see. We're, like I said, we're five days in. Like, well, there's still so much time to go. Anything can happen. Yeah, and we're hyped up about a bunch of other players, too. 
So how are we going to fit yeah. all these plays, all these camp camp star hype hype machines on our roster? Are we just not going to take a defense? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Like you, you can't, you can't. And and with the depletion, this depleted secondary. <laughs> and even though we're hearing great things, I would much rather have carry six or seven corners than six wide receivers. I, I, just because I know that, like, that six wide receiver really isn't going to have much of an impact on this team as much as what a six cornerback could have on this team. So that's just me. Like I said, we're so early on to camp. Like, there's so many more days to go. It's way too early for us to hop on and be like, this is it, like some other people are doing right now. Like, give it time. Like, time, he could have four bad camp days in a row, and all of this is easily depleted. Or we could just have one bad preseason game, and everybody forgets who he is. And, Absolutely. and again, he's fighting for, at best, the fifth spot as a wide receiver. At best. There's other battles that will be a lot more interesting to watch. Like, you know, the offensive line. Yeah. Well, let's get to the offensive line. So, everybody's up in arms. Everybody's going nuts. I have an opinion, but uh, I'd like to get your opinion first. So, everybody's freaking out. Titus Howard playing left guard. Max Sharbing's playing right guard. Um, Khalil and Henderson are playing tackle. And then Martin's been out, so Mance has played center. My only disappointment so far with this is that Rankins hasn't gotten any snaps at center. Apparently Fulton's like got a bunch. It's Fulton and Mance have kind of split it half and half. Yeah. Um, I'm actually intrigued by the idea of being able to put that, that grouping on the field with Fulton at center and Howard and – and sharpening at the same time at the guard positions, and then following up if Khalil, Kate, uh, you shit. There's going to be another guy whose name I can't say. Matt Khalil. <laughs> Matt Khalil. If he gets out there and he gives us anything at all, um, if he even touches on some of his high points, we have in in Central Henderson, of course, we have a huge, huge offensive line, and. That's kind of the formula that the Dolphins went with a couple of years back when Jayajayi had all those 200 rushing yard games in a row. They had an all-tackle offensive line. Some of those players eventually got moved to tackle, but every single position, the guys that were playing it were by trade tackles. And it was, um, what's his name, the uh, Mer- the, uh, the Bong guy, uh, Tunsil. Tunsil was yeah. their left guard. That's how they brought him into the league. So Which was a tackle. Now he – but now he's a tackle. He was supposed to be a tackle. No, yeah, he, he was, was drafted. But he was drafted as a tackle. But they started him off at left guard. And running behind that, and they absolutely just bulldozed everything for J.H.I.E. Yeah, no. Uh, here's my thoughts on kind of what they're doing. This is, And this is just, there's like nothing behind this. But if you can guarantee these two rookies to get snaps and reps, I would much prefer them get reps than get no reps. And we saw last year what happens when you put rookies at tackle that aren't ready for being in the game at tackle. We saw it with Rankins. We saw it the year before with Davenport. It it doesn't work out well. And I think what they're trying to do is just get, look, we have Khalil, we have Henderson. Both have been starting tackles in this league. Both have performed extremely high at times when playing tackle. If we can get those guys to just be average – we still want you guys to play, but we want you to develop and get used to the NFL speed, so we're going to line you up at guard. 
you're getting reps. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing all the physical stuff that the rest of the offensive linemen are doing, but we're, we're giving you the reps needed for you to be able to become an NFL offensive lineman. On top of that, we both know that Khalil Henderson both have injury issues. So let's say week six, Khalil goes down. Well, come week seven, Titus has played six games at guard. He, he was originally a tackle. He can slide over to tackle and start to take, make that transition. I'd rather him make that transition after playing guard for six weeks than not playing at all, and all of a sudden you have a Martinez-Rankin situation, and he's getting blown by everybody that's on his side. Look, so I, I, I like it. I think from a developmental aspect of it, I think they're handling it right. Like they, They're seeing that what they did last year didn't work, and what they did the year prior didn't work, and they're giving him a chance to develop. I don't see yeah, the idea behind putting him at guard is when you play tackle, lots of times you're put on an island. When you're in guard, just to do it in the nature of where guard is, you're in the thick of it. You're in the middle of everything. So you're more focused on just learning speed and hitting the guys you're blocking as hard as you can. That's why you typically want those road-grading road guards, those guys that just maul people. And that's why it's good for a player with the athleticism as Titus Howard to get out there and, you know, just get used to hitting people at NFL speed. And then transitioning to tackle takes a little bit more um, – there's a little bit more footwork involved and a little bit more skill involved and a little bit more spatial awareness involved. But those are all extra things that he doesn't have to worry about if he's a guard. Hit somebody as hard as you can is essentially all they're asking him to do. And, of course, there's things like asking him to fool and asking him to run block in different, different ways. But, I mean, so I'm simplifying it. But that's kind of, again, the whole point of going to guard is to simplify his life for a little while. Yeah, so let me ask you this, John. Like, if, if the season plays out the way that we would prefer it, which would be whether it's Khalil or somebody else at tackle and high, Titus at left guard, somebody at center, it's probably going to be Martin, whether we want it or not, Sharping at right guard and Henderson at, at right tackle, and they make it 16 games. Going into next year, how much better would you feel if that line was average, moving Titus and Max to outside at the tackle position? If we go through this year, this year with an average offensive line, I'm going to be too happy celebrating a lot of wins to, to, to really wrap my head around next year. Um, I would almost be afraid to mess with it. It's like, just keep them all. Don't mess with anything. Let's do it another year just the exact same way and draft some yeah. guards to play behind them and kind of learn. But – yeah, if we have an average offensive line with this team and the uh, and the skill guys that we have, especially at wideout and tight end, dude, I'm just going to be too happy to even worry about that. Well, see, so there seems to be a lot of stock right now in, like, Titus Howard being drafted at 22. He was drafted as a tackle. Why isn't he playing tackle? There's a lot of frustration with that with fans. But, you know, I ask you this, Brian, or John, I don't know why I said Brian. I was looking at a tweet from Brian. Um if you have two guards that play for this team for the next seven to eight years at a high level, is that a wasted draft pick? Well, what's his face I know up in tackled. Indianapolis? Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. He was drafted way before Howard, and they seem pretty happy with it. So, honestly, are, are we still trying not to cuss? What, what, what? Yeah, we're trying. Ah. We're trying. So, 
I was going to say something a little bit harsher than what I'm about to, but just get out of here with those takes. You're, that's, people, that's people just trying to pick a fight either on Twitter or get eyeballs on whatever they're trying to get out there. Look around the NFL. It is extremely common for highly rated tackles to play guard for a year or two. Yep. Yeah, not only that, like, if that's the way it works out, that's the way it works out. Like, I, I don't really care. As long as the product on the field, no matter how we get there, is good, I can care less. Like, if we win a Super Bowl this year, guess what my complaint's not going to be? I can't believe Titus Howard never played at tackle for us this year. I can't – I'm so upset because we drafted him 22 as a tackle, and he never played. I could care less. We want to fight. We want a Super Bowl. <laughs> you just told me not to cuss. <laughs> I'll have Preston blur that one out. Oh. But I'm just saying, like, think about what you guys are complaining about. Not you guys, our listeners, because you guys are too educated to to have those kind of conversations. But, like, honestly, think about it. Like, it doesn't matter where you draft somebody or how you draft them. If they make an impact on the field and it's a significant impact and the team is better because of it, who cares? Um, so, yeah, with the offensive line, there's a lot of shuffling. I still expect there to be a lot of shuffling. I don't, I don't think that this line is set at all. Um, we haven't heard a lot about Davenport. We haven't heard a lot about Rakins. Um, expect those two to get in the mix. You know, Henderson's our right tackle. We knew that. We told you guys that, I don't know, the day they signed him again, like he showed too he showed too much potential in the New England game for us to just say no, we're going to let you walk and find another tackle. So we told you Henderson would be the right tackle. Now we just got to figure out this left tackle. And I know a lot of people are very upset about Matt Khalil because you heard everything from Carolina fans and Minnesota fans, even though Minnesota fans probably shouldn't complain about Matt Khalil at all. Um, he had some down years, but guess what? He also had some really good years. So I also remember really, when he first left Minnesota. We, he's the highest paid left tackle in the league. Yeah, and everybody – not everybody. I sometimes confuse uh, Texans Twitter with everybody, but there was a lot of people out there that wanted us to go after him. There was a whole lot of people that wanted us to go after him before he ended up in Carolina. So we're getting him – it's one of those Brian Gaines specials where we get him at a discount because he's hurt. So let's see if it works out. Um, fingers crossed. And I may have to stop calling it a Brian Gaines special if we continue to do this to do this crap now that Gaines is gone. But that seems to kind of be their thing. It's like, hey, this guy's hurt. Let's see if we can get him at a discount and then turn him into something. And is that a wrong approach? Because to me, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I love going thrift shopping. Like, that's my thing. Me and the kids and the fam, we do it. We love going to Goodwill, finding a really nice shirt for $3 and then it lasting me for four years. I don't really see the issue in taking the risk on an injured player that has shown potential in the past. I really don't. Like, if that was the case, why didn't we give up on J.D.V. and Clowney after two years? You just don't do that. Like, that's not the way the league works. So give these guys a chance. And I get that the negativity around McLeal, and he had off years in, in Carolina, but that was in Carolina. Let's see what he does here. Fair? I mean, it's essentially a year that he had off um, to get healed up, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Again, all we need is an average offensive line. We don't need a world-breaking offensive line between our quarterback. I'd love to have one now. Uh, I think Deshaun <laughs> Watson. I've got to. I'm going to clean these stats up for for the Watson cast. But he was top three um, in passer rating from a clean pocket. 
Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. And, let's, I mean, you know, he only had like five of them all season, so he took advantage of his opportunities. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stats to get into next week when we talk about Watson. But, um, all right, let's go to let's go to your running backs because uh, there's a lot of talk right now about Deontay Foreman. We'll get to him in a second. Um, but do you remember who I said would be the third running back going into the season? I did. I'm I'm still no, this not is getting very, a lot of love right now. Yeah, I'm again five weeks and five five days. Five days. Five days. But your boy Josh Ferguson is getting a whole bunch of love. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he's so, exactly what we need on third down. If and he's also a kick returner. I know. If he makes the team, that's DeAndre the DeAndre Carter, he um, may not be around. I don't think that's the case. And then Tyron and Vincent will both make it. I don't think that's the case. I think I don't think there's a way that DeAndre Carter doesn't make this team. I really don't. I don't see one situation where DeAndre Carter doesn't make this team, unless it's injury. We'll see. I mean, Josh Ferguson making the team could potentially be that one situation. It's like I, you don't have a backup to Kiki. Apparently, uh, Tyron Johnson can play slot. That was what I know. they were talking about. I know. I he know, had a little but... bit more position flexibility than than Vincent has, and he's already tweeted out himself. He's like, hey, I looked to my left, and there was Nuke, and I looked to my right, and there's Will Fuller. So, cat's out of the bag on that one. Tyron Johnson can play slot. Whether or not he can play slot well is another another question entirely, but apparently he can at least play slot. All right, let's get to the running back. And all right, so first and foremost, before we get too deep into it, we're not trading for Theo Riddick. We're not trading for Melvin Gordon. Just, well, Theo Riddick's free agent, but yeah, yeah. Or we're not signing Theo Riddick. I'm sorry. No. Same difference. Um, neither one. He doesn't play special teams. Exactly. There's no reason for us to have a third down back or a third or a third running back that doesn't play special teams. If you've watched this team at all, you know that the reason why they make <laughs> make the team. Albert Blue is because they play special teams, not because they're good at running back. Yeah, that's they're not going to go into the season with three running backs, and three of them can't play special teams. Just not going to happen. So, for either Riddick or Melvin Gordon to show up, that means that Foreman is definitely gone. And you know what? Two days ago, I thought that there was no way there was an iceberg chance in hell that that happened. But based on some of the comments that have started to come out, maybe, just maybe, Foreman isn't in a lock to even make the team. He's going to get a – he may get a mystery injury and get another IR stash. Uh, I just don't see it. I know that's like the narrative right now. I just – I don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't see them having the balls to do that. That's all it comes down to. I, I really just – I don't. Like, I honestly wouldn't be opposed to it. Like, I know there's a lot of Deontay Reform in love right now. and But if he's not performing at camp and you have two other potential running backs that can, um, we also need to keep in mind that we also have a fullback on this roster, which we didn't last year, um, and he's, he's going to make the team. So – uh, maybe that, but this is this is kind of where I was going to go. Maybe Colin Gillespie is going to be the special teams guy that takes over kind of that special teams role from that third running back. I'm, I'm starting to wonder because you're hearing all about 
Bill O'Brien, all Bill O'Brien's talking about is his impact on special teams, like he was talking about Buddy Howell and every other running back that has played special teams. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe they're starting to change their mindset a little bit. Not saying they are. Not saying they are. But I'm wondering if that's starting to play a part. Maybe you're right. Maybe Deontay doesn't make the team, and maybe it's Ferguson and Karan Higdon. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, maybe, I'm wondering if – And maybe Cole, Ferguson Cole and, and Buddy Howell. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the Twitter outrage? I, I oh. would. I, yeah, would have to do a live reaction uh, show, or at least an Instagram. Just I was a huge Deontay Foreman fan when we drafted him. I'm very hesitant now um, because of his Achilles injury. It's just, it's the truth, and it's sad, and it's, and I hate it for him. But here's the, it's an absolute fact. There's not been a running back with any success after tearing their Achilles. And it's sad, and I feel robbed and gypped, and I can only imagine what he actually feels. But between that and being a Rick Smith special, I mean, Rick Smith said that was his guy. He got on the table, and he did the veto override, whatever it is, to make sure that he got Deonta Foreman. So between those two things, it would not surprise me, especially since he's not looking as good as he did during OTAs. Well, it's funny how that works once it's gone some pads. Yeah. And, again, yeah. I want nothing more than for Foreman to come out there and rock everybody's world. That's what I want. Now, do I think that it's likely? I No, I don't. And let's be honest about Lamar Miller. He needs – what he has been missing since he has joined the Texans is a, a 1A or a 1B to him. We almost had that with Foreman, but if you had Miller – and Foreman in a rotation, or Miller and another running back in a rotation, you get more out of Miller. You get more out of the Texans' defense, uh, or not defense, the Texans' offense. One of the things that Bill O'Brien was head-numbingly, head-banging, like us all, I don't have any hair, so I can't pull my hair out of my head, but we were all screaming as we ran the ball on 40% of first down. And we had success on 20% of those. So we were constantly putting Deshaun in second and long and constantly getting bailed out by Deshaun. Lamar Miller was boom or bust. Either he would break off a run for over eight yards on first down or he would lose yardage. It was one or the other just about every single time. What does that mean? He needs somebody else that can take the load on first down. If that's what they're going to do, if they're going to run on first down, they need somebody that's at least going to get two or three yards, even if they'll never get the eight that Miller would get, but consistently get the two or three yards to just kind of grind it out, set it up for Miller, and go from there. And I don't know if Foreman is that guy, if he's not showing out, if he's not – I don't know. I want him to be. I really, really want him to be, and that's what I keep going back to. But Bill O'Brien said, said it himself. We have Miller, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. If Deontay Foreman isn't making it and two undrafted guys do, I honestly might feel better about the running back position moving into the season. Just going to be honest with you. I mean, we've said before that we would prefer for him to come back and show that he can from the Achilles, but we've also said many, many times on this podcast that history is not on his side. It's not a wide receiver. It's a lot different. There's a lot more cuts. 
lot more impact on those lakes as a running back than there is a wide receiver. Like, it, you know, so far I saw people talking about, like, look at Emmanuel Sanders. He's already, he's already out there. Yeah, well, it's a lot well, it's not just the cuts. It's the uh, the force he has to put behind it. He has to break tackles. That's and what I'm saying. Yeah, and he also has to take more right. hits on and his that's why both running back and linebackers have always struggled to come back from torn Achilles. Whereas skilled position players usually come back with some sort of success. They don't push against people. If I mean, just think about it. If you ever go to the gym and you push a weight sled, you feel it in your Achilles. I've stopped doing that because now I have this huge fear of tearing my Achilles. Because you feel it. Like, you absolutely feel it. And that's a big ask of him to be a big running back that can no longer run through contact. Yeah. Um, all right. Enough with the running backs. Let's get to the corners. Uh, so we are we on to the preview section? No, no, no. Let's talk about corners and training camp. Oh, corners and training camp? Well, I mean, isn't that kind of what the position – Preview will also take into account. Yeah, yeah. We also need to talk about safeties um, in training camp. I'm trying to think of what else training camp-wise we really need to talk about. Apparently the Jordans are amazing. Oh, both of them. dude, yes, 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 yes. Let's talk about these tight ends real quick. Let's just spend at least five minutes on the tight ends. Um, you and I have been screaming for a dynamic tight end since we started the podcast. We have wanted... To be fair, so does everybody. That's, that's fine. But I don't care about everybody right now. <laughs> I care about what we've been wanting. And we've been wanting Bill O'Brien to be able to have that thunder and lightning at tight end, one and two. Not, we've, we've wanted just one. But, man, we've really wanted two for quite some time. And the fact that these two are so different, but yet so skilled and so good at what they do, I can't tell you how excited I am if this comes to fruition. What did, what did Aiken say? He was the feet? Yeah, he's the And Thomas was the beast? No, it was peanut was butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly? Yeah. And he said that he's not or, the jelly. <laughs> so, of course, peanut butter. And nobody likes crunchy peanut butter, so he's got to be the creamy peanut butter. <laughs> and nobody likes grape jelly, so... Jordan's got to be strawberry jelly. Whoa, 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 whoa. I like grape jelly. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, like, this is another thing where it's easy for us to overreact on training camp, right? Like, you know, they're not going full steam. Like, it's not like the Jets training camp where you're seeing the Jets Twitter tweet out, like, concussion hits and uh, flips uh, hits by the state. Did you see that video? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, dude, you should just go to the Jets while I'm talking. Go to the Jets' Twitter. Go to their – click on the media tab and scroll through, and you'll see them tweet a live practice where a wide or running back or wide receiver is coming out, and this safety destroys this guy. I mean, totally flips him over. That's not the Texans' camp. <laughs> that shouldn't be many NFL camps because that's how people get hurt, but <laughs> – um, okay, so, so like, now I kind of understand why Zach Hicks said, you know, I trust the Dolphins' judgment just for getting rid of um, Gase. Brian G- or what? No, Gase. What's his first name? Adam Gase. A- Adam Gase. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back to the tight ends. Uh, look, Jordan's looking – both Jordans are looking good. How cool would it be to have two dominant tight ends that are both named Jordan? Like that's 
pretty freaking awesome in its own. And then, like they, like I said, they complement each other extremely well. They're they're both very different, um, both different sizes. Like they just, it, if this is what we get this season, I'm hope I hope I hope that Deshaun Watson is targeting them. Dude, we're for real gonna have a an all tight end offense that can still run the spread offense. Right now. If we somehow manage to take four, which it seems like Fells has a really good chance of still making the team, even though he's struggling catching the ball. It's all blocking, though. It's all blocking because apparently Jordan Thomas has not improved as a blocker. Um, however, if you've seen some of these catches, you're kind of like, who cares? Yeah. He's also a monster of a man. So just stand there and make them run around you. That'll take a good four or five seconds. Just, you know, just get around you. Yeah. And, um, a chip and a chip and release is fine. Yeah, especially since you're bigger than all of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna go spread with all tight ends, and that'll be something to see. And can't forget that Cullen Gillespie. How can I say his name? Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> That's a. If I had a round of applause now, board, I would definitely be hitting that right now. We get out there with Cullen Gillespie, who is sounds like he's more of a, a flex H back, um, kind of more in the role of. Kyle Justnick over out in Justnick, out in and for Justnick, Justnick. There you go. Like Musnick, but with no new. Sure, sure, sure. So Justnick out in. Colin Gillespie and there we go. I mean, if you look at how it's spelled, that's how you would pronounce it. Yeah. But same mold. That same mold. So between them, just send them all wide. Go condense back. Go jumble. Yeah, that that could be entertaining. I don't know if it'll actually happen. It could be. be. This is exciting. Like I, I, I'm not one to put a lot of praise into training camp. As conservative as Bill O'Brien is, he's just going to roll out the old single wing, and he's Uh, he's got the guys to do it. I mean, our best running back is Deshaun Watson. So just just roll with it. Let's just go single wing. I don't want that. I don't want. I don't want that. I don't want him to turn into Cam. Um, I don't want that. I would like to have ten years of top-notch Deshaun at least. So uh, please don't do that, Bill O'Brien. Um, I'm going to send him an email now. I'm, I'm really, I'm really worried. <laughs> uh, when you look uh, at that personnel, what is that screen? <laughs> no, I know, I know, but it's, it's still, it's like. Please don't do that. Like he's not built like Cam. Okay. You put Fuller out <laughs> there. Hard. Put Fuller out there with all the tight ends and Gillespie. And yeah, <laughs> I mean that that would definitely that would be entertaining. We would all have heart attacks, mm-hmm. but that would be entertaining. Well, look, we don't put a lot of uh, weight into training camp, you know, because they're not going. It's we'll see a lot more in the preseason. We won't see a lot in the first game, but we'll see a lot more in the second and third about what this offense could potentially be. Also understand that we're not going to see a lot of that either. We'll see the offense, but Bill O'Brien's not showing his hand in preseason. So, uh, But it's great to hear the good things about the offense. It's great to hear Will Fuller is fully back and like there's not a missed step at all, that he's just fully back. Fantastic. Like He blew by J. Joe, which, yeah, he was going to blow by J. Joe probably even with a misstep. <laughs> but, I mean, he blew by J.J. Yeah. Like, that wasn't like a T.Y. Hilton blow by. That was like only what Will Fuller or Tyreek Hill could do on a blow by. So Yeah, that, um, that's yeah. terrifying. 
I mean, on, on both yeah. on both regards. It's one thing if Will Fuller just barely blew by, but man, I think Jonathan Joseph is still trying to catch up for him. It was like a car length. Like if you were racing and you say like you won by a car length, like that was literally the distance between. Yeah, if you if Will it was Fuller two cars, Joseph. there was like an eighteen wheeler wheeler in between them. An eighteen fuller, huh? <laughs> 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 All right. Dad jokes, dad jokes. All right, all right. Hey, we're dads. We can say them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, so, I mean, look, the offense is clicking. It looks good. That's what we want. Uh, we'll talk more about Deshaun Watson next week. Uh, he's – everything that we're hearing and seeing and reading and what we'll see on Saturday is that um, he has a total control of the offense. He's understanding how to read defenses. Um, he's accurate to sell. He's spreading the ball all the way around. Um, it's what we want to see from him. Um, so – yeah, all right. Let's get to the cornerbacks, and this will be your segment. So We may actually want to go yeah. fast. We're up to an hour already. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking that. All right, so here, let's do this then. We'll go through what we're hearing in training camp, and then I'll, we'll go through the position groups as I say the person's name. So uh, not much to talk about with Jonathan Joseph. Very good corner, uh, very good um, zone coverage corner. He's going to get beat deep. If you put him on the right side and a curl route or – just have him lock down one side in the zone. He'll be fine. If he's got to play catch up, Jonathan Joseph's not the guy that can do that anymore. Yeah, he's just, he is our tech not gonna He is the fifth highest graded by PFF ever for a quarterback over the age of 35. He is second on pass breakups. He's our future. Fourth. Or, I'm sorry, fourth. Um, he, he'll be second. He'll be second. I think he needs, like, two to be second. Yeah. Um, he's our future defensive backs coach. It's going to happen. Best free agent and he's also ever, the best free, yeah, best free agent signing of all time. Um, he's going in the ring of honor. They gave him a raise. He's retiring in, in as a Texan. Like if he's not going into the Hall of Fame, but if he did, it would be as a Texan. But it, it's not. Yeah. But he is definitely the best free agent signing ever by the Texans. One of the best ever in the NFL. Um, very appreciative of him. Hopefully, he doesn't have to cover too many. Receivers like T.Y. Hilton or Tyreek Hill one-on-one, because if he does, then we'll all be screaming for his retirement a couple of games early. I'll tell you right now, John, if, if we play the Colts and Bradley Roby is not on T.Y. Hilton, I'm throwing my fucking remote at the TV. <laughs> um, well, the next guy that we got to talk about may be the guy on T.Y. It's Aaron Colvin. Why would he be on T.Y.? Colvin plays slot. Because they've been moving T.Y. to the slot, according to your buddy. No, no, he plays occasional slot. He's outside. They got, what's his name playing? Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell. So. T.Y.'s going to be outside. Well, what do you want to say about Aaron Colvin? Um, Uh, I mean, uh, you know, not a great season last year. Not the guy that we thought he would be. I think it was just a down year for the corners. Uh, He's talked a lot about his ego and kind of letting that get in the way. Um, Said he's let go of all that. Everybody's saying that he looks really good in camp, that the best position battle to watch is Aaron Colvin versus Kiki QT, and that they'll basically alternate getting each other on each each down so or each snap. Um, look, we we said it last year that it was an injury for Colvin. Um, I think that definitely played a part. He had a high ankle sprain. Um, he should like, have been IR. He, he really should have been. He, he, he we were, if we were not so thin at corner last year, he would yeah. have been IR'd. So, I mean, I think actually, Colvin has the opportunity to have a bounce-back year at the slot. Actually, you know, we should have started with this. Um, but just, like, big picture, 
Do you feel as though our secondary is better this year than last year? Big picture. Yes. It's impossible for it not to be. It's kind of like the offensive line, to be honest with you. Like, I, I know the investment that people are – like, people are looking at the investment of the cornerback and, like, they're mad that we didn't sign, like, the top-tier cornerbacks. Um, but when you look at the cornerbacks that we signed, um, they're the type of cornerbacks that this team needs right now. Like, we need fast, physical, man coverage corners, and that's what we have. Right. We're hearing a lot about Lonnie Johnson. We're hearing a lot about Bradley Roby. We're hearing a lot about Aaron Colvin. We know exactly what we have with Jonathan Joseph. Those four corners alone are better than what we had last year. Yeah, I'm in agreement of that. Uh, there's a lot of takes out there that are stating that losing Tyron Matthew and losing – Kareem Jackson is a huge, huge downgrade for the Texans. These players are supposedly unreplaceable. Um, I would even argue with Aaron Colvin, part of the reason that he had a down year prior to the injury is him and Tyron Matthews' skill set were kind of redundant. Um, Aaron Colvin is a better outside corner than Matthew, not as good as a linebacker as Matthew, but the same sort of thing. Plays very well what's in front of him, except Aaron Colvin can actually play zone. Tyron Matthew cannot play zone. He proved right. that repeatedly last year. Um, and I'm going to use that as kind of a segue because a lot of the frustrations we had with Matthew last year is whom we're going to have, we're going to have that same sort of issues with Bradley Roby. Uh, Bradley Roby in 2017 was a career year for him. He was second to only A.J. Boyer in burn rate. So he had a really, really good 2017. 2018, they make him a full-time starter, and they increase the amount of zone coverage that they played. Bradley Roby struggles in zone because he, the best way to look at it um, is it almost looks like he gets bored out there when he's in zone coverage. So he'll have he very, yeah, he'll he'll have similar. We'll have, probably have similar frustrations with Roby that we had with Matthew last year, where one minute it looks like he's a world beater, and the next minute you're like, what on earth are you doing? Why are you nowhere near your player? So just kind of a, throw that out there. But, I mean, he's built exactly how you'd want a corner to be built, and he is fast, as fast as you would want a corner to be. To be. I mean, he is well, just – he's a specimen. Can he also, to Bradley, Roby, to, to Bradley Roby's credit, he also talked about how he had his worst season and that he knows he's ten times better than – and he's working on the areas that he knows he needs to work on. So maybe we see a better Bradley Roby. Yeah. Last year in zone coverage – when he was in zone, there was a he allowed a 117 as the pass, passing rating against. Mm. That is that is bad. But he's not his own corner. Yeah, like he, he should like, like he that's, plays, that's on the coaching staff. Yeah, if he plays man, it drops down into the 40s. So that's, that's big difference. I mean, right? You know, so some. Like, hey, we have a man corner. Yeah, we have a man corner here that's extremely freaking good. Let's throw him in zone. That's like what we do with JJ when we ask him to play man. Okay, it's the same exact thing. Don't do it. Hey, J. Joe, go get T.Y. Could it be maybe uh, like – Coach, are you sh- Coach, are you sure? I don't uh, know. Yeah, go get T.Y. Could it maybe be like, I don't know, asking Merciless to play off the ball? Oh, interesting. Let's keep it going. All right, next one we have up is Lonnie Johnson. I mean, I, I was excited about Lonnie. It was the one corner that I wanted us to look at. I figured we would go offensive line on the first. I hope that we went Lonnie Johnson in the second. It was either him or Rocky Asin. Um I like what we're hearing from Lonnie. Maybe part of it's also that we're friends with his agent. But um, I, I, I just think that Lonnie on tape is exactly what this corner has or what we need at the position. He's raw, which I think is the one part that is going to be scary. 
Um, you know, he hasn't played corner for a long time, so we're going to see moments of frustration, and then we're going to see moments of potential, and we just have to hope that he builds on that potential. But long, fast, physical man corner. I mean, if you look at the trend of who we signed, that's what we were looking for. Yeah, between him and him and Roby are mirror images of each other. It's whether right. or not they'll actually be able to turn it into something, but they are absolute mirror images. And if they both play to their potential, we have an extremely athletic, extremely fast secondary. Now, of course, they do have issues. Um, Lonnie Johnson cannot go in, inside. They've said that him playing slot coverage uh, did not go well at all. Um, he's not going to be. Keep, he wasn't able to keep up with Kiki. Kiki was able to absolutely embarrass him. However, you were able to turn around and he was able to stand up with Hopkins. That's absolute craziness. Absolute craziness. I mean, but then you turn around and you have Aaron Colvin, who's putting on a show with Kiki, and then Hopkins makes him makes him look silly. So with that, our corners this year, it's they're not going to have the flexibility that they had in the past. Let's be honest. But the jobs that they're able to do, if we put them in position to actually do those jobs, they should be better. I think with these with these corners and who we have, if we play to their skill sets, I think we'll be surprised at the outcome. I think if we ask them to do things that they're not very good at doing, I think we're going to have moments that we had last year. Um, but I think that we're in a position to be better than we were last year at corner based on pure potential and age. Every, I mean, everybody we had last year, I mean, Sharice Wright was older than freaking Jonathan Joseph. Let's like, not even get into Sharice Wright. I, that's I mean, what I'm, I'm going to block him out of my memory. Um, if we can have that little noise, you know, that goes like, anytime somebody says his name, I would be happy. Yeah, I, I, all I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is Sharice Wright was playing very, very, um, oh, God, important rep or snaps for you at corner position for the last 10 games of the season. And even Sharice right at times showed you moments where he could play. So like, I don't know. I just, we're all looking yeah, at so you right drop that double, double move. move. Yeah. yeah. Double move. Now we all know. Yes. But outside of that, like he really wasn't awful. There were times where he had great pass deflections with this guy. So look, if these guys can play man, which is what I've been begging for, what, since we started the pod? I've been begging for corners that can play press man to give this pass rush more time to be able to get after the quarterback because I really think that that's what we need to really get our pass rush going. If we can have a two or three guys that can do that, I think this team is better. I think if we had one guy that can do it. Well, the problem with that is if you, you typically aren't, uh, yes, they do sometimes combine zone and man coverages, but typically when a corner's playing man, usually there's another corner playing man. So uh, all I'm saying is, is if we have two guys that can play it, and say we're playing the Colts, and you got Col- – shit, if you have Colvin playing slot with Paris, you got Lonnie on uh, Devin Funches, and you got Bradley Roby on T.Y. Hilton, I'll tell you what, if you're pressing and on the line – I will feel ten times better with those three guys on the field than any of the three that we had last year. And I'm sorry, I love you, Jojo, but that lineup against the Colts would be ideal. You're not wrong. I, I don't I don't disagree with you one bit. And if they can play to their potential, if they get out there and 
Yeah. That's what it's going to come yeah. down to. But the pass rush is also going to play a part in that too. And that's the best part. Like we always, I always talk about it, but like those two complement each other so well. If those three corners can play press man and really lock their guy down and force them off their route and give the pass rush the ability to be able to go after the quarterback, that's when turnovers happen. So we'll see. All right. Do we even want to talk about um, Jermaine Kelly or Xavier Crawford? Do we talk about Brian or no? About who? Brian Body Calhoun. Um, I got him as the safety. Yeah, he's not going to make the team as a safety though. He may not make the team at all. He might not, but he's making more plays than Xavier Kelly and or Xavier Crawford and Jeremy yeah. Kelly. Uh, Kelly, I mean, he he. Looks he looks pretty, I guess. He's what you want in a corner from a physical appearance wise, but on the field he's and Xavier Crawford not apparently does not look good at all. So he's right. probably not even gonna make the team. All right. So there you go. So you're gonna have your five corners are Breon, Aaron, Jonathan, Lonnie, Bradley. So you don't think Bat is gonna make the team? And then Batamose, because he's definitely yeah. making the team. All right. So, safeties. This will be a fun group. Yeah, I'm excited about this group. Um, I really am. I mean, as as you should be. We kind of absolutely lucked into the absolute steal of the draft, in my opinion, and Justin Reed. Um, yep. To get him in the third round, and he's going to be not just – a long-time Texan, he's going to be a foundational Texan in that secondary. He is an absolute stud. He is the ideal size, speed. Um, he's also the smartest guy in the locker room. Yep, size and speed as a, a free safety. He's one of the smartest players, one of the most well-spoken players you will ever encounter. Um, I guess that's what happens when you go to that, that school out there on the West Coast, but some good schools That's there. a very good school out there. Um, he can cover. He can play in the box. He can play man. He can play zone. He can pretty much do anything you ask him to do. And up yep. until that thing on his wrist popped up, because um, he never admitted that it was hurt, but we all saw that brace, he was also the most sure-handed tackler on the entire team. After yep. he got injured. I mean, after he got injured, his tackling did suffer, and we'll see how that bounces back. But, yeah, we're, we lucked out into Justin Reed. There's not too much more to say about that. Um, nope. Unless you disagree with anything, which I don't understand. What will be interesting, nope. again, with our safeties is the same thing as the corners. we got guys that are actually phenomenal at specific things, but not as well-rounded. They're not the Swiss Army Knives that we had last year. Uh, Tashawn Gibson, he is the tight end whisperer. Uh, we, so may, we may actually be able to cover a tight end. I am beyond, like, speechless on this. I don't. I, I'll believe it when I see it type thing, even though I've seen it on tape from him. The Texans cover tight ends. Yeah. The only time we've been able to do that is when A.J. Boye was our tight end killer for three games before he got promoted to full-time corner. Yep. So excited about him. Uh, he is scheme flexible, but not position flexible. That means he needs to play strong. He needs to play over the top of a tight end. If he plays free, not really going to work as well. Uh, he not your free range. 
yeah, he's not going to work as well in the box. But ask him to play zone, play man. Ask him to take out a tight end. He's fine. Yep, I agree. All right. Now the next one, uh, Jahil Aday. Is that how you say it? Is it a die or a day? A die. A die. He is a linebacker playing safety. Um, he played the most snaps on the defense for the Chargers over the past two years. And then he got replaced by a guy that's probably the only safety that was better in last year's draft than Justin Reed. So we, we'll kind of forgive him for that. However, as a third safety, he's an absolute steal. He can play both free and strong. Um, we really don't want him to cover. We want him to hit people. He's not a ball hawk. I don't think he has a single interception, but he is excellent in he is excellent in run support, weaker in coverage, but on pass on running on running downs, he's who we'd want to have out there over Gibson. So I think there'll be more of a rotation this year. Yeah, I, I expect him to fill the role of Matthew probably more than anybody on like the corner blitzes, safety blitzes. Uh, I think that's where he'll he'll shine for our team. And then he's yeah. just a much think, better tackler than Tyron. I mean, honestly, I believe we have upgraded from last year with Hal Jackson and Matthew. Um, well, we're, we also got a guy named A.J. Moore that is turning heads in training camp. Yeah. And then, yeah, A.J. Moore, who was a – I think he led the team in special team tackles last year. Is that correct? Yep. And he was an absolute beast. He did the dirty work on special teams to make himself indispensable. Now, he's going to have some competition for that fourth safety spot. I can't imagine us taking five. Uh, Chris Johnson is, if Justin Reed was white, I hate to throw white out there, but exact size, exact speed. Um, he just played at a small school, um, but he was a, what is it, an FCS? Yeah. All-American. So he played at a smaller school, but he is a beast, and he actually absolutely destroyed that league. And you don't really see – I mean, I hate to drop the, the race thing, but you don't really see white secondary players. So Harrison Smith, right? That's like the only one. Um, the guy that just left the Ravens and went to the Rams. Eric Weddle, he's black. No, Weddle's white. Ooh. Eric Weddle. Um He's actually Chris Johnson's actually I'm sorry a little bit bigger than than Reed exact same forty time, so he's one of those guys that's getting hyped up. On, he's one of those camp star guys that's getting kind of hyped up. We'll actually see how that turns into. What are, are you actually googling this? Yeah, because <laughs> I think he's mixed. All right, whatever. It's. Kind of a joke as much as anything else. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just. I'm actually. I don't. I don't really care. No, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering. So between Johnson and AJ Moore, one of those two will make it. I can't see both of them make it. It won't surprise me one bit if we hear Chris Johnson's name for a couple more days, and then we don't hear anything about him again, so he can be on the practice squad. Again, physical players like that is a reflection of Brian Gaines' draft philosophy. If you notice, Reed, Johnson, um, and then even Lonnie Johnson all fit quite literally the 
the template of the template players that are looking for. Dude, what are you looking at? I'm reading about Eric Quiddle. Seriously? No, no, no. I'm not reading, looking at his race. I'm reading about his kids. Looks like he might have All a son right. that would be worth looking at here soon. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> so we're going to draft him. <laughs> <laughs> Already we've moved on to that? But yeah, that's no, what I mean, I'm at. Did you, did you want... Um, Brian, ba- Brian Body Calhoun. He's a good player right now, though. With the I just I don't see the numbers games working out because there he's another one of those fringy guys. Is he a safety? Is he a corner? That might be why he uh, makes the team. It might be, but at the same time, with secondary injuries are going to happen, so it'll kind of sort itself out. But it does look like we have a lot of potential out there. I would say cornerbacks are the position group that gives me the most worry. Over offensive line? Even over offensive line. Offensive line, we've got guys in there that they can't be any worse than they were last year. Right. Now, with the safeties, they can be worse than they were last year. Um, We actually – statistically, the Texans had the fourth fourth rated defense last year. Um, We just couldn't play – teams that actually had, could throw the ball accurately. So teams that struggled, quarterbacks that were kind of inaccurate, um, we had enough zone coverage, and our guys played zone with enough discipline that we were able to shut them down and make up for our deficiencies on speed. We have completely flipped our roster on the secondary. We have a lot more speed. So it'll be entertaining, maybe, I hope. It could also be an absolute dumpster fire, which is terrifying. So I think what the difference this year is that we'll see, um, worst-case scenario, we see uh, cuts by a 1,000 swords, or what is that phrase? Well, there's a 1,000 paper cuts. Yeah, so that'll probably be be what what we'll end up seeing uh, from our corners um, because we won't see a lot of bombs given up because our corners are very, very fast, and they can recover. Um, but what we will see is basically what happens whenever we play the Patriots. Just we'll see it 16 games of the year, worst-case scenario. Best-case scenario, we're, above, we're we're average at corner, which is really all we need right now. Yeah, and I mean, best, best-case scenario is we get repeats of the career year out of Colvin and Roby. And Jonathan Joseph just been, maintains what he did last year. If we get that, our secondary is awesome. But, I'll take it. Yeah, that's absolute best case. So, again, there's so well, many, we know. an absolute huge range of outcomes with our secondary. Everything from Saints three years ago where it was absolute trash and we're going to be in a bunch of shootouts to have it potentially Texans one of the best defenses that we've seen in a long time. Wasn't it the Texans six, five, six years ago that had the worst pass defense? in the league, like prior to Bouye and like right before we signed JJ, right? Like, wasn't that, weren't we like the worst and then the Saints took that spot? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, but they were, like they were still worse. The, the, the point is, though, what I was going to say is that there's no way that we're go- all our position groups are going to be amazing and good. So there's going to be a position group that's not going to be good, whether it's offensive line or cornerback. Those are really the only two that I could see that there's going to be one or the other. If I had to hope for one over the other, I would hope that the corners are worse than the, than the offensive line. Because I don't want Deshaun dying. 
That's all it comes down to. Yeah, I would rather have – I would trade the secondary for an offensive line any day of the week, and let's just have the shootouts because at least they'll be entertaining to watch. Yep, no, I agree. Wow, what a podcast. Very long. Love it. We're, Love we're, it. We're getting into the season. We'll probably have another one that's crazy long just because we're overly excited for football again. Yeah. And then we'll calm down. Well, we'll calm down after after the playoffs. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So that's our position group reviews for cornerback and uh, safety next week. I don't think we'll do tight ends because I think we really kind of covered that uh, today when we talked about the Jordans. Uh, we haven't seen enough from Kahale to really talk about him yet. Um, and then with Darren, we know what he is. He's just a run-blocking tight end. So, uh, And then a, a good red zone weapon. So, um yeah. All right. With that being said, you can find Texans Unfiltered on all podcast platforms, Spotify, you name them. I'm tired of listening to them every single week. It gets kind of tiring. Just search us, literally. Just Google us. Number one, first Texans podcast. Use the Texans podcast. Boom. Texans Unfiltered. Find us. You can follow us on Instagram at Twitter and Twitter at Houston FB Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Texans Unfiltered. Uh, make sure you join our Discord. Uh, make sure that you guys are going to our event. We are really excited to see you, and we want to see you and meet with you and talk Texans and drink some really good beer. Um, so opening game event, 9-9, 6 o'clock. John and I will be there. Run game clothing will be there. Uh, Pitmaster Barbecue will be there. So make sure you tell your friends, bring your wife. Don't bring your kids. I mean, you can bring your kids, but... I'm not one of those guys that brings kids to bars. So if you don't bring your kids to bars, that's fine. If you do, hey, bring your kids. I'll talk to your kids. I love kids. Um, all right. This is the Young Ari Gold sign off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week with the Watson cast. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine, it's our time to keep it 100. So we don't go out here and show them how thrill we are, baby. So you better get out the way because we're coming for it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go. Thank you.